say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. I'd like to thank Jackie Moranti for writing and researching this script. I'd also like to thank my co-ghost, Alex, from Dos Pequeños. If you haven't listened to that show yet, check it out. We talk about the paranormal. And I'd also like to give another thanks to JT Hosack from Brew Crime and the Brewery Report for reading the part of Jane Reyes. Thank you all so much for your help. Without you, this show wouldn't be possible. A huge shout out to my Apple subscribers and my Patreon subscribers. You all keep the lights on here, and I appreciate you so much. Hey, Brandon, welcome to another episode of True Consequences Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Carter Lundin. Today, I want to just give you a couple of quick announcements before we get started. Friendly reminder that I've got a live show coming up on Sunday, March 5th, 2023 at Rio Bravo Brewing Company. I'll be there with a few of my favorite people, Josh Hallmark from True Crime Bullshit, Lainey Hobbs from True Crime Cases with Lainey, Charlie from Crime Lines, and Nina from Already Gone. Super excited to be bringing some live true crime to you in Albuquerque, Sunday, March 5th, 2023, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. at Rio Bravo Brewing Company. Come and check it out. The link for tickets is in the show notes below. If you're an Apple subscriber or a Patreon subscriber, you can save 50%. And if you want to know how, just email me at eric at trueconsequences.com. Okay, let's get into it. This will be the final episode on the murder of Father Ronaldo Rivera. There were so many twists and turns over the first years of the investigation, the police were overwhelmed with all the information and the leads that took them not only all over New Mexico, but to New York, Arizona, and even Montana. Some leads made no sense and others seemed pretty solid. And while no arrests were made, you can see that it wasn't because the police were letting the case slide. Every lead had to be followed, and if you remember, they were, including interviewing James Harry Reyes, who was accused of murdering Father Patrick Ryan in Odessa, Texas. We talked about the murder of Father Patrick Ryan in an earlier episode and the possibility that the suspect in that case, James Harry Reyes, could have also been involved in the murder of Father Rivera. Before I get too far into that, I really want to encourage you to go listen to my friend Vince's podcast. It's called Gone Cold. He has just now started releasing episodes in the Father Patrick Ryan case. I really respect Vince. He does an amazing job. 
He's an ethical podcaster, and I highly recommend him. Please go check out his show. Father Ryan had been murdered on December 21st, 1981. A year later, Reyes went to a motel room where he drank himself into a stupor and called police to confess to the murder of Father Ryan. The motel that Reyes called from was in Albuquerque, so he was held in New Mexico prior to being extradited to Texas to stand trial. New Mexico State Police interviewed him while he was being held at the Bernalillo County Detention Center. Reyes was being held on an open charge of murder because he confessed to killing Father Ryan. There was no solid evidence that he was involved in the murder. Lieutenant Robert L. Gonzalez and Sergeant Ramon Suazo interviewed Reyes about Father Rinaldo. Today's date is November 20th, 1982. We are at the Bernalillo County Detention Center. My name is Lieutenant Robert L. Gonzalez. Ramon Sazo with the New Mexico State Police Criminal Division. We are in the process of interviewing. State your name, please, sir. James Harry Reyes. Okay, Mr. Reyes. Uh, uh, why don't you pull up your chair a little bit to the table because your voice doesn't carry too loud. Um, okay. Mr. Reyes? Uh, now state your date of birth for us, please. Okay, sir, and, uh, how tall are you? Five foot six. And, uh, how much do you weigh? 130 pounds. You have black hair and brown eyes, is that correct? Yes. You wear glasses? Yes. And they're, uh, they're silver. Framed glasses. Framed, yes. Okay. And the extent of your education, you told me, was 12 years in uh, high school? Yes. Okay, and you attended Eastern New Mexico University, where you obtained a degree of um, in petroleum engineering? Yes. Now, Mr. Reyes, um, do you know, first of all, uh, do you understand your rights? Yes, I do. Okay, uh, did you read your rights? Yes, I, I did. Did you sign your the waiver that you will talk to us without your attorney present? Yes. Did you do this without encouragement from anybody? No. And you're still wanting to speak to us? Yes. Now, uh, first of all, do you know Father? Do you know um, a Father Ronaldo Rivera? No. Now, uh, where have you been living? Well, I was living in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, from June till November of this year. June until November of this year? Yes. I just recently got back about two weeks ago. And, uh, have you been to Dulce since? No. You got back? No. When in June did you leave for Memphis? June or May the uh, 26th. It was in May? Yes. How did you go? Hitchhiking. Okay. Now when, uh, after, after you got there, what did you do in Memphis? We, uh, sought employment, another friend and I. You sought employment doing what? Anything type of work any type yes and uh did you find work no um where did you stay in memphis at the uh, salvation army how long were you in the salvation army one night oh you were there one night yes okay when did you get there on uh saturday may 28th that's when you got over there yes it took us four days and just hitchhiked all the way? Yes. Who went with you? A friend of mine uh, by the name of Joe Pidu. Where's he from? From Mississippi. Pidu? P-Do. How do you spell his last name? D-E-U. 
W. D-E-W. Yes. Oh, Joe P is his middle initial. Yes. From he, he lives where? Uh, in uh, Mississippi. Do you know where? Uh, Meridian. How do you spell that? M-E-R-I-N-M-E-R-D-I-A-N. Do you know where else or anything more about it? Uh, no. Okay. Then where did you stay after you left the Salvation Army there in June? We went to the uh, food line and uh, Miss Mama Deaton. B. Deaton picked us up and took us to her house and we worked for her. From when? I worked from with her from May the yeah, 29th till November the, I think about the 11th of this year. Okay. So you worked. Give me some information on B. Deaton. She's a... Uh, Owns a lot of apartments there and uh, in Memphis. What's the name? Where can we find her? She can be found at 1417 Monroe Avenue. In uh, where? In Memphis, Tennessee. Do you have a phone number? Uh, no. Uh, how do you get a hold of her? Just from that address or something? Well, you can telephone and ask information. For B. Deaton. B. Deaton, yes. D-E-A-T-O-N. Okay, were you... Let me ask you this question. Were you ever in Santa Fe or Santa Fe area in August? No, I, I was in Memphis, Tennessee all that time. Okay, do you or have you ever owned a three fifty seven, a thirty eight, or any type of gun? No, except a thirty thirty. A thirty thirty. Yes. Are you scared? No. Are you nervous? Well, like I said... Are you sick? Yes. What's the matter? I have a slight alcohol problem. Oh, and you're withdrawing now? Well, I am on medication. Your medication? Uh, the uh, police here uh, give it to me. Okay, is... uh, Like I asked you before, have you heard or of anything concerning a Father Ronaldo Rivera? No. Nothing at all? Nothing at all. You are, you, what religion are you? Protestant. Have you ever made a phone call to the Archdiocese in Santa Fe? No. Okay. Can you answer, um, repeat after me, okay? Say these words when I, I'm going to tell you what to say, okay? Um, my name is Frank Carmelo. My name is Frank Carmelo. I need a priest. I need a priest. My grandfather is ill. My grandfather is ill. Meet me at the rest area. Meet me at the rest area. My grandfather is ill, lives in Waldo. My grandfather is ill and lives in Waldo. And will not leave Waldo. And will not leave Waldo. In view of other information you have given other police departments, if you were guilty of such and such a murder concerning with a priest, would you tell me? Yes, I would. Because I understand that you already gave me some information concerning Father Ryan, is that correct? Yes. Okay. You don't have a phone number for this B. Deaton? No, I do not. Is the listing in her name? Yes, it is. Have you been to Dulce since? No. And did I ask you when you arrived again? Uh, from Memphis? Yes, sir. Uh, yes. When did you get back from Memphis? About November 11th. It's been about two weeks ago. Oh, about two weeks ago. And what did you do here in Albuquerque? Or did you stay here? I stayed with my brother. Who's your brother? 
Monty Reyes. What does he do? Accountant at the First National Bank. At the First National Bank? Do you have his phone number? Uh, no. I don't know the apartment number. Okay. Now you were living at the Oasis for a while. How long did you stay at the Oasis or Broken Arrow? Where is this? Weren't, isn't that where you were staying? At the Broken Arrow or Bow and Arrow Lodge? Oh, yes, I was. How long did you stay there? Three days. Was this until yesterday? No, up till... Until you were arrested yesterday or when you were incarcerated? I was incarcerated. When did you make your phone call to the police department? About two days ago. Uh, yesterday. The last day. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. No, that last day that uh, I was incarcerated. Uh, Have you been in jail? Yes, I've been here all... For how long? About four days now. Okay. Uh, Sergeant Suzo, do you have any questions? Okay, you called in regards to another homicide, right? Yes. You had some information on it? Yes. And you've never heard about the priest that the lieutenant was asking you about? No. Uh, when you went to Tennessee, did you say you were accompanied by a friend? No, I went to Tennessee by myself. No, when you went from New Mexico to Tennessee, where did you leave from? What part of New Mexico? From Hobbs. And how long have you been living there prior to leaving? About two months. Okay. Were you employed in Hobbs? I worked off and on at the day employment. Day employment? Yes, I did some spotlight. It's called spotlight. Okay. Do you know, do you have an address there? at the State Commission office there in Hobbs. I have no further questions at this time. This interview is concluded. Do you have any questions that you want to ask me? No, I do not. Okay, thank you very much. Gonzalez called B. Deaton to verify that Reyes was in Memphis on the day that Father Rivetta was murdered. B. told him that she had put him to work doing maintenance on the apartments that she owned around the city. She couldn't remember the exact day he showed up or the exact day he left. But she knew that he was there from early June to November. She told him that James had a drinking problem. When he would get drunk, she wouldn't let him stay at her house until he sobered up. She said that he drank quite often. Reyes had an airtight alibi for the night that Father Rivera was murdered. He had nothing to do with it. Reyes later recanted the confession for Father Ryan's murder and gave proof, including a speeding ticket dated December 21, 1981, put him in Hobbs, New Mexico, 200 miles away from the motel where Father Ryan was murdered. None of this mattered to the jury, though. In 1983, Reyes was convicted of the murder of Father Ryan. James Reyes didn't get the life he deserved. Who knows what went wrong, but he was a smart guy. He had a degree in petroleum engineering. He should have been able to use that as an opportunity to make his life much better than it was. But there was a lot going on with James. He struggled with his sexuality. He didn't want to be gay. It was the 80s, and during that time, being gay was not accepted. James was also Apache, and racism had a lot to do with his conviction. A Native American on trial in Texas might as well have guilty stamped on his forehead. 
From the time he was convicted in 1983, the Ector County District Attorney's Office, the New Mexico Legislature, members of the Texas Legislature, and the local Catholic diocese believed that James was innocent. He was sentenced to 38 years in prison. He was released in 2012 after doing 20 of those 38 years. 20 years behind bars as an innocent. Shortly after his conviction, law enforcement destroyed all of the evidence in the case. Well, almost all of it. Last year, in 2022, members of the Odessa Police Department found fingerprints in their archive files that had been taken from Father Ryan's stolen car and wallet. When the prints were run through APHIS, they came back with a positive match. They revealed that three men with extensive criminal backgrounds were staying at the same hotel as Father Ryan. These men were responsible for Father Ryan's death. They've all since died, so there will really never be any justice for Father Ryan. Their names have not been released. The Ector County District Attorney's Office filed a writ to overturn James Reyes's conviction last week. James is officially a free man. Better than that, he's an exonerated man. They can't give him back the time he lost, but at least they can restore his good name. Then there's a burning question. Could the men who killed Father Ryan have been responsible for Father Reynaldo as well? It's possible. Anything is possible. Though I'm sure that the evidence in Father Ronaldo's case has been preserved, the fingerprints from his car are on file and available for a match. On August 24, 1982, at 4.20 in the afternoon, Refugito Rivera's phone rang. She was Father Ronaldo's mother. The caller said, I'm coming to get you. I'm going to make love to you. Refugito thought that maybe one of her grandchildren was playing a prank. She would have to talk to her children and remind them to rein their kids in. This wasn't funny. Three minutes later, the phone rang again. When she answered, there was no response. She called the police to report the calls. She described the voice as being young to middle-aged, Hispanic with little or no accent. Her home was put under surveillance and a trace was put on her phone. The police were taking no chances that the same man who killed Father Rivetta wouldn't come for his mother. The following day at 12.09 p.m., another call came in. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to rape you. There was one day of reprieve on the 26th, but at 12.09 on the 27th, another call from the same man came in. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to rape you. Then another call at 3.25 p.m. I'm going to get you. I'm going to make love to you. 20 minutes later, the calls had been traced. The trace showed that Jennifer Martinez had the number where the calls had originated. At that point, police also put a recording device on Mrs. Rivetta's phone. Police wanted that voice so they could ask Father Geyer if he could identify the voice as being the same man who called the church on August 5th. On August 28th at 5.32 p.m., another call came in to Mrs. Rivetta's home. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to make love to you. The police now had a recording of the man, but... There was AM radio interference in the recording. Mrs. Rivetta couldn't hear it, but it was on the recording. This means that the man was either close to a radio tower or was purposely bouncing sound off of an antenna. This used to happen a lot in the 80s and 90s. Shadow interference could be heard in the recordings that wouldn't necessarily be heard in the conversation. The next call came in on August 31st at 8.50 a.m. I'm going to make love to you. I'm going to rape you. 
Again, the recording contained AM radio interference that Mrs. Rivetta couldn't hear. The calls were traced to a home on Alto Street where Joe and Rebecca Montoya lived. Rebecca Montoya stated that she had trouble in the past with someone making calls from her phone. She had the number changed and put under her daughter's name, Jennifer Martinez. Rebecca Montoya told police that after her phone number was changed, she had received a call from someone who only said, You're in trouble now. She told police that she unplugged the phone from the wall and would keep it with her the entire day to make sure no one was making calls from her phone. This wouldn't stop them, though, from tapping into the box outside. That was easy enough to do in the 90s. Police didn't know how the lines could be tapped by anyone who didn't work for the phone company. So Paul Montoya, Rebecca's son, was considered a suspect. He lived in the home so he would have access to the phone. But while Paul was in police custody, another call came into the Rivetta home. I'm going to get you. I'm going to kill you. Paul was immediately released. There's no way he could have been the person making those calls. This phone call came in at 10.07 a.m., and was traced to a payphone next to an abandoned car wash. Then, another call comes in at 1.39 p.m. I'm going to make love to you. I'm going to rape you. Then at 1.40, I'm going to make love to you. I'm going to rape you. And then the final call at 1.42. I'm coming to get you. The last three calls were traced to a telephone booth by the senior center. No one saw anyone using that phone in that area. Surveillance was put on the home of Rebecca Montoya and the payphones for the next few days. The calls stopped and police never found out who was making them, or how they had tapped into the line at the Montoya home. Refugito was frightened at first. Then, she became angry. She chose to take action and she changed her number a few days later. She was never bothered again. The investigation began to go cold in 1983 when all viable leads simply dried up. A few trickled in over the next 10 years, but nothing that could be counted as solid. My documentation on the case ends in 1991. That doesn't mean that the investigation has ceased, it just means that I haven't received more information. It's important to remember that this is still an open investigation. Every year, on the date of Father Ronaldo's murder, August 5th, several news stations in New Mexico run a story on him. In 2015, Gilbert Ulivari, who is now retired, told newspaper reporters that there was new evidence that needed to be considered in the case, although he wouldn't say what that evidence was. In 2022, he once again made an appearance for cameras and told KOAT that there was also a new cold case agent looking at the evidence. Ulibarri seemed more confident than ever that this case could be solved. Of course, every year the police ask for anyone with information on the murder of Father Rivetta to contact New Mexico State Police at 505-841-9256. This case seemed to travel many paths, and there were many leads. It can still be solved if only the right people would come forward. There's also the evidence, evidence that only takes the right testing or the right comparison. Gilbert Ulavari and Eric Lucero remember Father Ronaldo's murder. They're both retired now, but they still remember. And 40 years later, they wonder who took his last rites kit, and they wonder if the man who took it still has it. Ulavari and Lucero also wonder if answers will be found this year or next. 
Can this case still be solved after so many years? They believe it can. And so do we. Father Rinaldo was beloved by his community and his brethren. He'll be remembered as smiling and laughing with his parishioners at an Easter celebration, judging a beauty pageant, arranging a bus so that people with disabilities could attend a picnic, and giving a safe space for the ACLU to teach the kids self-defense. He officiated countless weddings, funerals, and baptisms. He held his severely ill niece when no one knew if she would live. He gave his family and his parishioners hope. Father Rinaldo Rivera was faith in action. Thanks for listening, and stay safe, New Mexico. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.